Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. Primary markets have finally cooled, and I trust you're getting caught up and looking forward to the holiday break. I certainly am. All right, let's get started. This week, our three things are, one, CLOs are now a $1 trillion market and growing. A report out of the New York Fed points to a healthy maturation of its investor base. We'll tell you all about it. Two, Afghanistan. Markets have looked past this story until now. We feel a gravitational pull towards safer assets. And three, CapEx. Expected to rise materially in 2021. Numbers have come in a bit soft of late, and not all firms and sectors are participating. Pay attention to those that do. All right, on to our first thing, CLOs. We took note of the fact that the CLO market in the U.S. and Europe has just crossed $1 trillion in outstandings. And investor enthusiasm for the structure shows no sign of letting up. New issuance in 2021 is now over $100 billion and is on pace to eclipse 2018's record new issue volume of $130 billion. The driving investor interest has been the remarkably strong performance of the structure over its 30-plus year history through credit cycles. Historically, defaults across the credit spectrum have run multiples less than that of comparably rated corporate bonds, while yields compare favorably to both competing structured and unsecured credit asset classes. Favorable economic environment, largely a function of massive federal, fiscal, and monetary support, as well as vaccine development, is keeping this story going strong as that backdrop continues to produce plenty of raw material for CLOs, leveraged loans that make up the collateral. An interesting element in the CLO story is the broadening of its investor base, something that should dampen volatility in times of market stress. New York Fed just published a piece highlighting the growth in insurance company investor interest in CLOs. The piece points out that insurance companies have almost non-nupled their investments in CLOs in the post-GFC period to $125 billion just prior to COVID. For those that don't regularly run across a non-nupling, I learned, and I trust you are now learning, that, that is a nine-fold increase. The piece pointed out that insurance companies have played a critical role in CLO's growth, as they are a natural buyer of riskier mezzanine tranches rated investment grade rather than the AAA-rated tranches. In 2019, insurance companies held more than 40% of CLO mezzanine tranches, according to the New York Fed. The authors suggest that the insurance company interest in yieldier parts of CLOs reflects something that all market participants are well aware of, namely, investors search for yield. More to the point, investors have come to the conclusion long ago that the search often leads one out of his or her comfort zone. For insurance companies, that comfort zone has always been corporate bonds. The growth in their structured credit portfolios, which has outstripped that of traditional corporates, is a clear indication that insurance companies have developed a new comfort zone with CLOs. And that last point points to a key finding of the researchers, that a, quote, substantial, unquote, portion of credit risk has been transferred from the banking sector to the insurance sector. Here, we would take some issue with that comment. Yes, 
risk of leveraged corporate loans has been transferred away from the banks and into insurance companies. But remember, the risk of speculative-grade whole loans sitting on a bank's balance sheet has been transformed as it was tranched up in a CLO and distributed to a range of investors. The insurance companies are, for the most part, taking the single-A and triple-B exposures of the CLO, not the far more risky speculative and equity parts. Overall, the risk of leveraged corporate loans are diffused throughout the financial system, and that, from a policy standpoint, is a desired outcome. All right, on to our second thing, Afghanistan. First off, a disclaimer. We analyze topics that impact market sentiment. We try our best to steer clear of politics for politics' sake. So how should investors think about Afghanistan? We were somewhat surprised to see that since the fall of the Afghan government August 16th, stocks essentially shrugged off the news, which was almost universally and unabashedly critical of the Biden administration. And stocks moved higher, and similarly, credit held in. Thursday's news of a terrorist attack that claimed the lives of 13 U.S. servicemen and at least 60 Afghans strikes us as a turning point in how investors will view this story. Overall, geopolitical risk is now higher. There is now confirmation that this is going to be a difficult story that is not likely to leave the top stories on your Bloomberg for some time. Now, as we outlined a week ago in the podcast, Tina Markets, there is no alternative has been a powerful force supporting U.S. risk assets, stocks, and credit throughout the pandemic period. And as we've said, risk assets are priced for perfection in an imperfect world. Well, it seems to us that the world got a bit more imperfect Thursday. Uncertainty has risen. Uncertainty over how Afghanistan will play out. Uncertainty over how the Biden administration will govern. In the face of this kind of uncertainty, geopolitical uncertainty, stretched valuations feel a bit more uncomfortable. It feels like the gravitational pull towards safer assets is growing stronger, at least into year-end, when we will know more about the direction of the Fed, the speed of the economy's great deceleration, Biden's $4.5 trillion spending plan, and yes, Afghanistan. All right, on to our third thing, CapEx. We spend a lot of time tracking and analyzing the spending patterns of the consumer. After all, their spending accounts for 70% of GDP. Business investment, on the other hand, has languished as a percentage of GDP for much of the past 40 years. But the need and or desire to upgrade technology is driving expectations for a CapEx boom. The pandemic has pulled forward changes in how we work, shop, and entertain ourselves, and positioning firms to participate in those changes is, for some firms, a challenging exercise. The good news is that surging, stimulus-fueled corporate profits and extraordinarily cheap credit markets have provided the raw material to make that change. Cash balances on corporate balance sheets are sitting at record high levels. According to Refinitiv, some 4,100 non-financial firms with a market cap of greater than $1 billion plan on growing CapEx 10% in 2021. But not all firms are expected to participate. According to The Economist, fully half of the S&P 500 is not expected to grow CapEx beyond 2019 levels. Indeed, core CapEx orders in July came in flat for the first time since February. 
Looking beneath the headline numbers, while machine reorders continue to surge and are now well above pre-pandemic levels, technology orders actually fell 0.4%, dragged down by plunging investment in telecom equipment. Now, some of this is intuitive. Some firms are not going to feel the confidence to invest aggressively in the future. Energy firms, understandably, are reluctant to commit capital given the fluidity of demand around a rapidly changing mix of energy sources. Airlines and hotels and restaurants are reluctant to spend until the future of lucrative business travel is better understood. But for the other half, this might be the one time this cycle to rethink the knee-jerk reaction to buyback shares or increased dividends. Improving competitive positioning, along with optimizing capital structure, figure to be the mark of winning firms and solid credits heading into the great deceleration. The surprising softness in the most recent numbers suggests that confidence in the future among manufacturers may be on the wane. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, CLOs are now a trillion dollar market and growing. Insurance companies have become a dependable pool of investors at the mezzanine level. Two, Afghanistan. Markets have largely looked past this story until now, but we feel a gravitational pull towards safer assets. And three, CapEx is expected to rise materially in 2021, but not all firms and sectors will participate. Pay attention to those that do. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest rating reports and research. And a little rest and relaxation is in order for next week for this podcast. Enjoy the holiday, and I'll see you in September for what is sure to be a volatile fourth quarter. See you then.